Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We took yet another mini sapotical. Um We had a major holiday come and go, that being Christmas. Did you have a good Christmas overall? It was a good Christmas, yeah. yeah, I, was, yeah. I was in Illinois, which was interesting. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, I had an excellent Christmas. Great trip down to to the Greekstead, you know, down in Iowa, which, of course, none of us are Greek. Uh, but 13 to 13 family members able nice. to show up. Um, we got a lot of kids under 13, so five kids under 13. It makes the gift opening oh, and everything a lot of fun it's 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 fantastic must be just chaos though so we're 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 i think we've said this on the podcast before we're actually german we do we do it very systematically which okay. is either start at the youngest and go oldest and work your way around but only one person opens up okay a present at a time so each person can get their hey look what you got right you know stuff like that obviously the adults have much less uh, uh, gifts to open up than the kids, so it's mostly kids opening up. Do you find that is that interesting, or do you think? A... No, that's that's what we did. Okay, yeah. Also, German background here, so so same type of thing. Same type of thing. Yeah, we usually do one at a time. Whereas Mrs. Greek's Irish background, if I'm generalizing here, mass chaos. There's okay. there's very few just presents open up, and I, it just makes me uneasy because I'm like. No, nope, you know, like there's three people open it up. You don't get a chance to see part. I mean, part of my enjoyment is honestly like it is better to to give than receive. I honestly believe that now. I yeah, didn't, I didn't think like that up to about you know age sixteen or seventeen. Well, I'm trying to think when I when we were younger, it was pretty much just chaos because I think they you know they couldn't control us. But then once we got a little bit older, a little bit more mature, then it was like okay, let's take our time, go around the the horn one at a time. Okay, all right. Um, uh, anyways, yeah, I just I like to see other people opening up their gifts, especially if I got them the gift. You know, like I like doing nice things for people. I don't know. Yeah, so now my nieces they're old enough. They don't do. I mean, they do that thing on their own Christmas Day, okay. which is their immediate family. Okay. But like for me, I just I saw them, so I handed them their present. Yeah, you know, that's fine. Yeah. And, and you're, I'm assuming you're fitting your role. Your your uncle. Kurt, that's how you're going to roll with that stuff. I'm, I don't picture you spending a lot of time wrapping presents and doing stuff well, and they, like that. They know that there's zero nostalgia involved for me. So they, they get a kick out of me, like, you know, not caring when I give it to them, whether it's wrapped or not, okay. these kinds of things. Okay. They, they actually enjoy that. It's funny. We're both college football fans. We agree on, I think, a lot of things college football, uh, you know, related. You're zero on the Christmas nostalgia. I'm yeah. 100 on the Christmas nostalgia. So we bounce out to 50, yeah. just, just how you want it. There was a time when I would try to, like, actually have someone wrap my presents for me. Like, you can buy, like, there's... Yo, absolutely. At the mall, you can do that. but For sure. But it's not even worth it. No. And so, like... At one point, I just said to him, "Look, I didn't wrap them because the, the person I was paying wouldn't do it fast enough, so you know, it's not wrapped." I mean, gift bags are a thing. You literally throw I, it in yeah. a bag, close the top with a piece of tape if you want to, so they can't peek in. Boom, you're done. That's I do a lot of that. Gift bags are good. Didn't um, even do that this year. And then I put a Twitter poll out. I I don't know if you saw it or not, but the three options I gave were the Christmas Eve to Christmas morning relationship as far as with gifts. Uh, did you open up all the presents on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. or one or two on Christmas Eve or none on Christmas Eve? How, how did you do it? When we were kids, we'd get one present on Christmas Eve. Okay. 
Yeah. And then the rest on Christmas morning. Rest on Christmas Day. That's the way to do it, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Um, we got we we had a different family one that we did on Christmas Eve, but the home gift was one present. Um, like sometimes it was just a stocking, and then Christmas morning was plethora of gifts from mom and dad. One big gift from the man, Santa Claus. Okay. That how how it was in your house too? Don't remember. I don't really remember. I think it was kind of an even mix. I think. Gotcha. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. Anyways, yeah. So that we uh, Kurt was traveling, didn't really work out for it for us to record, but I think we got a nice little plan here. Um, so we're gonna record on five games uh, in this pod, and then we're gonna do five games on the next pod. So after only having one pod in like a two and a half week period, we're gonna have two pods in like. 48 hours or so is how we're going to have to do it. Well, and then we'll have to do a wrap-up right away after that, and then yep. another wrap-up. Well, we'll do a double wrap-up. Do the double wrap-up We'll do together. a 10-team wrap-up, don't you think? Yeah, I guess that's fine. That would probably be a, a nice way to do it. It's going to be a whopper, though. Yeah, that'll be a whopper. Hopefully, we'll have another game to uh, record yeah. on in the not-too-distant future. Um, yeah, speaking of bowl games, uh, some of the news here. Uh, four bowls have either been canceled or modified. Uh, with one of them having, obviously, uh, big implications for the Big Ten. The Gator Bowl lost Texas A&M. So Rutgers and Greg Schiano jumped in and took their place. So what is crazy about that is Rutgers loses their their game to Maryland at the, <laughs> at the end of the year, yeah. sends Maryland to the Pinstripe Bowl, which, no <laughs> offense, is one of the worst bowls in the entire bowl lineup. Rutgers loses that game and now gets sent down to Florida to play in what I would call the pretty prestigious Gator Bowl. Oh, boy. Not exactly fair how that works out. No, I can't imagine Locks and company are too excited about that. But, you know, way to go, Greg Schiano. This is not easy for a team to be off for a few weeks here and then suddenly have to start practicing again and get ready for an actual game. So we saw a lot of this in the – you know, dumpster fire that was the 2020 season, but there was teams doing opponents in three or four days. Good point. And playing games and it was pulled off. I don't remember anybody's heads exploding or anything like that. So Rutgers has got a good seven to eight days. I think it'll wind up being, and that's why they can do it. Right. Cause they've got a little bit of time. If it was like, Hey, there's a game tomorrow. That's, that's too short. I would say anything under four days is probably way too much. Um, as an Illinois fan, Illinois was being bandied about quite a bit as yeah. a replacement. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being your hopes were extremely high that Illinois could go, and 1 being there's absolutely no chance. Where were you oh, along no. the way? Bert, Bert was tweeting out that was, they were ready yeah. to go. He was campaigning. He was ready to go. Um, I thought there was a pretty decent hope. I would say I was at least somewhere in the middle, 5, okay. 6, where I thought we had a shot. And it seemed like for a while there, it seemed like it was getting reported that Rutgers had declined. So I'm like, we're in, baby. It was just another one of those Twitter moments where, depending on when you refreshed and took a look at Twitter, the story was, I mean, it was Rutgers locked, and they weren't so sure, then Illinois was in, and then all of a sudden it was back to Rutgers. You know, now there's other games that Illinois could, you know, theoretically have been part of, but I think it just falls in that category. There wasn't enough time. Yeah, there's not enough time, and um, I think it got to the point also where people were hoping, at least I was hoping, that the Gator Bowl was going to be a singular situation. so But it starts to lose its novelty, if that makes sense to you. Once you get into two, three, four bowls now that have been modified or changed, people yeah. are like, all right, there's just going to be bowl games canceled. And, you know, I, I don't, at this point, I don't even care how this is received. 
we played all of these college football games in the regular season with almost without a hitch. Now suddenly three, four bowl games are modified because teams can't play. You, you can't tell me there's not a sense of, eh, do we really want to play this bowl game going on? You think that's part of it? Well, it, but and now the other side, obviously there's numbers spiking, you know, with people getting the whatever, but um, Omicron, whatever. But like I, to me, it like I heard, I think with BC, with Boston College, with their bowl, they, you know, they canceled. They had one position that was just ravished. You know, I think that was the headline okay. I saw. What, what it means was a bunch of guys tested positive and they weren't going to be able to practice and play. So I do understand from Boston College's point of view, they're like, what, are we supposed to play this game with no running backs? And it's not because yeah. they think the health of the – the running backs are all going to be fine for Boston College. All these kids testing positive are going to be fine. But if you literally can't practice them and they can't play, then you are – like, I. it's not – I don't understand it from why they aren't playing. I don't understand it from why they aren't allowed to play in the first place, which puts Boston College and other teams in a bad spot. Yeah, I you know I don't know the situation. If they're if they're not symptomatic, they should be allowed to play. That's that's my personal opinion here. Um, so you're saying if it was regular season, they would have just they would have played the game. I, I I just don't remember this. I, there was hardly any positive testing that I even heard about. And and, and no, you, you didn't. This. You did. Do, do you really think people are going to be tested and out of the college football playoff games? Do I? No, I don't think so. But but you know they made the announcement that you can forfeit those games. That's a possibility. I don't see that happening. I, don't. I see a couple more bowl games <laughs> dropping off. I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that that will not happen in those well. games. And the reason you would be willing to bet a lot of money is because there's a lot of money on these games. Right. And there would be pressure where suddenly the quote-unquote health and safety of the players is eschewed a little bit because, boy, they they need the TV revenue in these games being played. Yes. Money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's tough to – It's again, once you get the, the, the COVID stuff that starts popping in, I don't know how we're supposed to not talk about it. This is what is going on. It's all over Twitter. Um, anyways, uh, another thing I want to point out too, speaking of bowl games, right? Uh, what are we going to play some bowl games? Uh, by the way, all these, uh, what are we going to play so many bowl games? I guess they're happy, right? They you must get, be happy that they're canceled. Yeah, I you assume. Get three, they're, they're cheering it on, right? I'm being facetious here, but, um, with that being said, our buddy Stu, speaking of oh, people no. that freak out about stuff. No, he actually had a good tweet. Oh, he did? Yeah. Um, I, I think I sent it. I think I sent it to you, but, okay. uh, um, he tweeted out that the viewership, okay, because now I'm talking about why are we playing these bowl games? We're playing these bowl games because they 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 attract mass audiences that people watch. So you're because saying, they gamble on college football. Wait, so you're saying that people like to watch football? Is that your contention? That is okay. that is my theory that I'm working on okay. right now. The Missouri Army bowl game, which was the Armed Forces Bowl, yeah, garnered 2.57 million viewers. For that bowl game. Wow, that's By the pretty way, that good. That was a great game. That yeah. was a great game. I mean, it was even better because Mizzou lost. Yes, and the the SEC has started 0-2 in bowl games. Plus with a, a forfeit. forfeit. So they're 0-2 and a forfeit um, against a group of five teams, I'd like to point out. They play four group of five teams in bowl games. Wow. Four. Uh, okay, 2.57 million viewers for the Armed Forces Bowl. The Warriors-Knicks game, where Steph Curry set the all-time NBA record for three-pointers. This is a historic thing, right? 2.35. No kidding. The Armed Forces Bowl got more viewers than 
one of the bigger NBA games that's not a finals game played in the last five years. That's why we're playing these bowl games. That's something right there. <laughs> that's something. That's why I included in our little our little preamble here. So I think I might agree with you now that people do like to watch college football games. I think you might have just convinced me. It will be my goal before the end of bowl season to prove that people enjoy watching college football. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will get into the bowls now. By the way, I, I realized right when we sat down to do the sheet, um, you get lazy at the end of the college football season because it's big on big games. We know the teams very well by the oh, yeah. end of the year. Now, all of a sudden, just like that, five big you know games that you have to go against teams that you know you have to do some research on. I was not prepared for that. I, I couldn't find the ACC on the drop-down menu on ESPN.com because I'd never used it before. <laughs> but you had to use it this time. Um, okay, so we have got 10, now an even 10 Big Ten teams that are, are taking place in the Bulls. However, for this one, we are just going to do the first five bowl games. So we're going to do games on December 28th, 29th, and three games on December 30th. We're not really going to do a Big Ten game of the week. We're just going to chronologically go through these and leave the Big Ten game of the week for the next podcast. Does that sound fair? That sounds fair to me, man. All right, let's get into the games. The first bowl up will happen on Tuesday, December 28th, the prestigious Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Phoenix, Arizona, the 6-6 six and six West Virginia Mountaineers versus the 8-4 and four Minnesota Golden Gophers. It's a late one, 9-15 p.m. tomorrow night on ESPN. Line Gophers by 4.5 over under 45. So Vegas is saying something like a 25-20 to 20 Gophers victory. 71% of the bets are on the Gophers. Remember the first game of the year, what West Virginia did? Beat Maryland. Or got, got, got beat by got Maryland. Got beat by Maryland. Yeah. When yeah. they probably should have won that game. They probably should have won that game. Um, that was a Four to one, I believe, turnover ratio Something like that. For, for Maryland. They had West Virginia had a West by God Virginia had a lot of turnovers in that game. But yeah, second second Big Ten team that West Virginia has played here. Yeah. So what do we know about West Virginia? Quarterback is Jarrett Dagey. Been around the block a few times. Nice sixty six percent completion, but he's nineteen to eleven on the touchdown yeah. to INT. Yeah. They do kind of like to run the ball with Letty Brown. He's a 1,000-yard rusher, but only 3.6 yards per carry, so not too dynamic there. Don't have any huge wide receiver playmakers. It's a wide receiver by committee type of thing. Defensively, not too bad. Yeah, yeah fifth in, in both points per game and yards per game in the, the Big 12 Conference and sixth in sacks. So, I don't know. Kind of maybe maybe average on both sides of the ball. It's a it. it's a hodgepodge with the Mountaineers. Everything you look at for stats is all over the board. There's nothing that they do great. There's nothing that they do. I I, I think it's fair to say horrible. Um, they kind of finished hot if beating Kansas and Texas counts. Now one of the things that I tried to do as best I could was look up the opt outs. You mentioned their leading rusher Letty Brown not playing in this bowl. Game. Are you serious? I looked for that too. I unless unless it was a I I the search. And the funny thing is if you do a search and just do blah, 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 players opting out, so whatever team. It just populates itself on the search. So that's the only one I saw for the Mountaineers okay. was running back Letty Brown. After that, I mean, it he he was by far the the, the uh, guy on the team with the most carries. So oh, it's yeah. gonna be It's going to be green guys you know, by committee. Now, I would say, and this will be somewhat of a theme in the podcast, mm. 
having running backs step into a more starring role is a much less thing. It hurts your team much less than obviously I agree. a quarterback. I would even say a wide receiver and like a pass rusher. I think those are bigger losses for a team than a running back, but he was a very big part of the rushing attack. It's got to be something that's going to hurt the West Virginia a little bit. Yeah. So then you got on the other side, of course, Minnesota, great defense. No opt-outs that I know, but a bunch of opt-ins Correct. For, for next year. So yep. to me, that that means they got a lot to play for, the Minnesota Gophers do. I, I mean, here's the deal. Uh, our guy PJ, he's been good in these bowl games, bordering on excellence. Great point. Like, they have very and, – and honestly, like, that even goes back pre peach Like, I sh- if I was a little bit better podcaster, I would have looked up, like, the last 10 bowl games – for Minnesota, if I had to take a guess, I'd say somewhere around six and four, seven and three in well, these bowl games. Okay, and let's even go back. Let's stick in with Peach, but go back to Western Michigan. I know he lost that game against Wisconsin, but they hung in there against that really good Wisconsin team. That's a if good. You point. Remember that? That's a good point. Peach's record at Western Michigan in bowl games yes. would be would be something to look so, up to. Here's an interesting one: no offensive coordinator. You know theoretically, right. I guess Mike Sanford. So they're going to be changing things up a little bit. I don't think that help, hurts them. I think that maybe kind of helps them. I think there would be a lot of Gopher fans that would probably, uh, our friend Mr. Ryan Burns would maybe even say that this could be something that's good. Um, I can't remember if I said it on the last podcast, but uh, right after PJ got off the uh, uh, field, and was asked about you know the total team effort to beat Wisconsin. He mentioned their defensive coordinator, did not mention their offensive coordinator. So I think the the feelings have been felt for quite a bit, quite a long time with Mike Sanford Jr. moving on. So I think they've had plenty of time with the coaches that have been. There's a lot of continuity on the staff, minus Mike Sanford yeah. Jr. So I think that leads to something that doesn't hurt the Gophers quite as bad. Uh, finish the season, I think it's pr- pr- fair to say pretty hot. Lost to Iowa, but then, you know, destroyed Indiana and beat Wisconsin for a huge game, huge finish to the year. I think that's a big enough win where it carries momentum even into the bowl game. And then bringing up the stuff that I already had pointed out, I mean, everybody seems to be playing in this game. I thought maybe there would be some of the guys along the offensive line that might opt out. They seem to be playing. So that's going to be one of my uh, favorite matchups to watch. I mean, uh, uh, Washington, Virginia, 40th in total defense. They did a pretty good job stopping the run. So I am excited to see this Minnesota offensive line working against that, that West Virginia front seven. I think that's going to be the story of the game overall. As far as the first bowl game for the Big Ten to start out with, I'm very excited for this game. I'm very excited. I'm also very confident mm-hmm. about the Gophers. So I'm going to go ahead and say Gophers win this one. They, 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 it's not a blow up, but they coast a little bit, 31 to 20. So they cover that spread there. And at 51, that's an over. Quite a bit over. Okay. Yep. We're already starting out pretty close to each other. It's like we took some time off, but we're, we're picking up right where we left off. I feel kind of the same way. They're... The only thing that makes me nervous about Minnesota is that me and you and so many people are so confident in Minnesota. Is this one of those games where out of the blue, clunky performance, whatever? But again, I the the bowl record under Peach at Minnesota gives me credit that this is something that they know how to do bowl prep. They it's something that they take very seriously. We have seen over and over again the team that takes the bowl game the most seriously is probably the one that's going to win it. So I've got Minnesota twenty eight. West Virginia 20, and at 48 points, that's just a little bit over the total as well. 
Nice. All right, next game up the next day. On Wednesday, the 29th, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. This is at Yankee Stadium and, of course, in New York, because where else would you want to go at the end of December but a baseball stadium in the Northeast? The 6-6 six and six Maryland, Ter- <clears throat> six and six Maryland Terrapins playing the 6-6 six and six Virginia Tech Hokies. This is a 1-15 in the afternoon game on ESPN. Line Terps by three. Over under 55, so Vegas is saying something like a 30-27 to 27 Maryland victory. 58% of the bets are on the Terps. I don't mean any disrespect to Maryland for going to this bowl. I mean more disrespect to the Big Ten trying to to make fetch happen is what I think this is. like. I believe it's like, well, we're going to have this Northeast presence by playing this game in New York. No, that's Nobody what... gives a shit about college football <laughs> in the f- entire state of New York, especially in New York proper. How do you really feel? I mean, do, do you think I'm being... No, it's true. I mean, that's what they're doing. It's like, well, now we've got, we've got Rutgers out there, so let's build the fan base around college football. How about just play it somewhere that's not going to be miserable for everyone involved? <laughs> and any, I don't know if they fix the field. I don't know if you remember this. Your, I remember your, that, the of Iowa course. Game. Yeah, the BC game. Okay, where they were just skating. It, it was, was the, like they were skating on ice. No, it was the ice. dumbest game I've ever watched in and, my and, life. And dangerous. Like the, the, you, you want to talk about the health and safety of the players? I, I don't know how they didn't blow multiple AC, a, ACLs in that game. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with Iowa. It has nothing to do with BC. It's just the stupidest conditions to ever play a football game in. Like I get this feeling among the Big Ten coaches and, and ADs of these schools, they're like, okay, we, we played in your stupid pinstripe bowl. Don't you dare send us back there. That was freaking ridiculous. Like, And I don't know how the new era people have been able to figure this out, but it has been a different team. I believe it's six years in a row. Wisconsin's so, played in this, okay. Iowa. Like, like they have figured out a way. It, like, there is going to be, mark my words, <laughs> there is going to be a point where somebody's going to have to go. I think Penn State was there. You, they're going to go back and say, we're not playing in this bowl. We, 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 we quote unquote opt out of playing in the pinstripe bowl and the thing's just going to go away. So what you're saying is the organizers were praying for Rutgers to get to six wins and they were praying for Illinois to get six wins so they could make sure they have a new, like fresh blood to go to this game to do their initiation that they'll never have to go back and do again. Correct. Like they better hope if it's a team that's going for the second time, there's like a seven, eight year gap where a lot of the coaches have, have changed over in the program too. Are there no indoor stadiums in that area uh, of the country? That's the other thing too. Like there's of course, there has got to be. It's it's friggin' New York. There's got to be a decent stadium. I mean Syracuse isn't far away, but obviously well, they're trying it, to No, that's way upstate. Okay. That's a drive. They they're trying to make this, you know, new I I don't know where Yan- I, I'll be honest. I don't know where Yankee Stadium is comparison to like, you know, Manhattan, but they're obviously well, it's just trying a- just across the river. Is it? It's pretty close. Oh yeah. It's, okay. I mean, you can see it right there from the from the island. I okay. mean, boom, right there. New York was a great city to visit. One of the best stakes I've ever had in my life was right across from Radio City Music Hall. That was probably like what six or seven years ago. But I don't know. They're trying to make it happen. We we've talked way too much on. on let's go like the disdain for this bowl. Was it nineteen thirty six NFL championships? Let's play it in the garden. Play it in Madison Square Garden. Eighty eighty cool. yard field. Just as long as we don't have to be outside. But you know what? I'm looking at the weather. 46 degrees. Yeah. It's not that bad. So hopefully they're going to luck out here. And they've done that a couple times. All right. Sorry. Uh, for, the, for the 
amount of Maryland and Virginia Tech people waiting for the breakdown of the game. We didn't mean so, to. Okay, big question this game. Interim head coach, right, for yeah. Virginia Tech. Yeah. But also Braxton Burmeister, the quarterback, he enters the TP. So they're in flux right now. Dude, they're, totally in flux. Their offense was bad this year. The defense was okay this year, I guess kind of solid this year. But I, I just don't know what to think about all the question marks here. By the way, Braxton Burmeister, son of uh, former Iowa quarterback Paul Burmeister, played with Doug the Carthaginian. Oh. It ain't just Braxton Burmeister. Wide receiver Trey Turner, defensive end Amari Barno, defensive tackle Jordan Williams, cornerback Jermaine Waller, offensive line Lectus Smith, wide receiver Tavion Robinson. Dude, they have lost... Uh, they're like nobody from Virginia Tech wants to play in this ball. No, and you know sometimes when you get the the coach that just wasn't quite working out, and they get rid of him, and there's an interim comes in, there's a little bit of a spark. There's no spark. Here. I don't feel spark here. This is trying to light a fire outdoors with wet tinder. Yeah, and by the way, interesting that the new coach is former Penn State defensive coordinator Brent Pry. So that's the first time that he gets to watch his squad. I am searching for reasons like. Of all the bowl games that got opted out and canceled, I'm I'm shocked that this one has so far made it through. That's but a good we're, point. We're only 48 hours away from this thing happening, and a little less than that. It, I don't I don't know if we're completely out of the woods yet for this game being played. Okay. Well, With that so- being said, everything I read on Maryland, they are dialed in and ready to play this game. So I give no, a I think ton that- of credit to Locks and the staff and the players. Everything I read pointed to they're ready to play this game. And one of the reasons is the forecast. It's not going to be miserable, cold, awful. So I think that passing offense can work and watch for the first couple series because Locks is great at dialing up scripted series, and he's got a lot of time to do it. I was going to say, and that was when he has a week to diagnose plays and draw something up. He's had three weeks to do it. I see him getting out to a fast start here and just coasting the rest of the game. I... I, I do too. By the way, uh, another another uh, tip of the hat to Maryland tight end Chig and Conquo, who is going to opt out and go to the NFL, playing in this game. That's awesome. Good to hear. I That's love great. that. Uh, I, I think there was a time where Tulia Tonga Viola was rumored to to maybe opt out or move or something goofy was going on. He's playing in the game. That is great to see. Very happy to see that. Long story, t- st- uh, long story short, don't get me wrong, um, I will be watching this game or at least keeping track of it because it's a Big Ten team. I love watching the Big Ten teams play. I hope what is going to happen is what you're uh, kind of predicting here, which is Maryland starts out big. So that's what I think will happen is Maryland will start out big and fast. And I just got this weird gut feeling that Virginia Tech will just kind of linger around, mm. and Maryland will make a mistake or two that will just keep them in the game. So I've got Maryland 28, Virginia Tech 24. So I've got the Terps covering. I do, there's just some goofy going off in my head that this isn't the lock that it maybe seems like it would be. And at 52 points, I got just a little bit under the 55-point total. Okay, I'm going a little bit different than you. I think a little more comfortable win for Maryland. I think Locks gets it done at 31-17, to 17, so easy cover by Maryland. And at 48, that is an under. But not your Amador double barrel lock of the week? Not my Amador double barrel lock Thought that's where you're going. The week. All right, next three games all take place on Thursday, December 30th, the eve of Christmas, or the eve of New Year's Eve. First up, the Music City Bowl, which is in Nashville, Tennessee. I've never been to Nashville. Oh, it's a good town. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's somewhere I think I could live. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
the wife, uh, Mrs. Greek, loves Nashville. She's been there two or three times, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd... I'd probably feel in July, August, the way I feel in January, February yeah, here. Yeah. But I think other than that, I'd probably enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, it's it's actually reminds me a lot of Minneapolis. Same it, Similar size, okay. cleanliness. Interesting. Friendliness of people, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. All right. Who do we got playing in this game? We've got the 7-5 Tennessee Volunteers out of the SEC versus the 8-4 and four Purdue Boilermakers. This is a 2 o'clock p.m. game on ESPN line. Vols by 5.5 over under 64. So Vegas is saying something like a 35-30 to 30 Tennessee victory. I got no N.A. on the bet information. I had nothing on the website. So. Interesting. Yeah. So Tennessee, obvious playing in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. So big home game for the Vols here. Two hours and 45 minutes away from Knoxville. I yeah, that's not too shabby. That, that's pretty, You can... Just get up and drive over to a bowl game in the morning. God, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Would that not be nice? By the way, okay, not too big of a side, but I understand that some of like some of these bowl games have not had fantastic attendance. But like, if they're in Florida or whatever, and I know these bowl games happen all the time, but like, I, I'm surprised more just casual fans just don't grab their don't twelve walk, year old and like, just go over, just, just go walk check. up, yeah. yeah, just go, go buy a ticket for twenty bucks and go to the game. I don't know. And you what know, going to do. I mean, it is strange that you don't see more of that. You hear a lot of crap about not enough people going to some of these games, but the thing is, people are watching them. They're Who cares if they're too. watching them yeah. in person yeah. or they're watching them at home? Uh, Tennessee. So they finished with two huge wins at the end of the year over South Alabama and Vanderbilt. <laughs> to go. <ahead. laughs> um, tell you what, uh, new coach uh, was was Fat Boy there two years ago or last year over from UCF. What? Oh, oh, uh, Heupel? Yeah. Oh, um, Is this his first year? That's a good question. I can't remember. I should know that. No, we're, this should be his, our non-Big This Ten. should be his first year, I right? I think this is his first year. Yeah. He's not so much fat as he is shapes. He just... He's got a... He's got a... Like a... a it's a very bulbous face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his chin and neck just melts into his quarter zip. Yeah. As a coach. He's anyway. one of those guys that just doesn't fill out real well. <laughs> you know? Not. Because he's like still skinny, but kind of not. He needs some Sotobello would be would be good for him. Okay. Um, with that being said, that dude knows how to diagnose and drop an offense. Tennessee was inconsistent, crappy, just overall unesthetically pleasing offense for for years under the previous staffs. Yeah. He he came in their fifteenth in total offense in the country, four hundred fifty nine yards of total offense. There's something to be said about a guy calling plays, and it's not like UCF's offense dropped off the 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 field this year. They yeah. had a pretty good offense, but dude, Josh Heupel that that was a high powered offense under UCF under Heupel at UCF. This dude knows what he's doing. He's going to put points on the board. Well, hey, we got a quarterback with a sixty nine percent completion percentage, twenty six to four. TD to INT ratio. And you're talking about quarterback Hendon Hooker, who can run and pass 2,567 yards passing, 561 yards rushing. He's their second leading rusher on their team, and the number one rusher's only got like 100 yards more than him. He is the entire offense for this team. Well, but they and they do a running back by committee. They do a wide receiver by committee. There's no huge standouts there, but I kind of like that, that they can spread the ball out. Yeah, Tennessee was, uh, for a while, they're a good gambling team for a lot of the year because people are still were still looking down on Tennessee. But this was a definitely much improved team. Again, uh, talking about their coach with Heupel. 
example, not a hire that Tennessee fans were happy with at the time, but it seems like most Tennessee fans are happy with it now. I don't care. I hope Tennessee fans are miserable the rest of their life because they're one of the biggest collections of retreads that I have ever seen. They're 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 awful people. And they're in the team picture for worst fans. They have got to be. I mean, I, I, if, if, I think they're the odds-on favorite for that. I don't think there's any question because, yeah. like. A mix, all the just disgusting behavior in person and online, they still have this air of of greatness about them yeah. because of a national championship they won 25 years ago. 1998, baby. Yep. Um, okay, moving on to Purdue. Unfortunately, it, and it just sucks because this is I can't remove I, I can't remove my thoughts that are attached to my hawk hawkness, which is. I hate watching George Karlaftis and David Bell torch my Iowa Hawkeyes. Now I have the chance to cheer for George Karlaftis and David Bell in a bowl game, and they opt out and are not playing. Well, it doesn't stop there. No Milton Wright. No cornerback Diedrich Mackey. Offensive tackle starter Greg Long may not play in this game. That's... Dude. I mean, I was trying to justify them, you know, winning this game. Obviously, I want them to win this game. I was trying to justify it being a good close game, but... The hits just keep coming here. They do. I'm waiting for Jeff Brown to opt out. With that being said, this is a Jeff Brown type of game. Okay, like number one, there's a little bit of point in yeah. Spider-Man meme going on with these two head coaches, except for the the pudginess Jeff Brown. Except I feel like is very steely chin. Type yeah, of and I, you know, if Carlaftis was there, I would trust the Purdue defense a lot. A little more. bit more. Oh, yeah. I, I think considerably more. Yep. But now that you take him away, yeah, it, it's very Spider-Man memey here. Um, but they, you know, Purdue did finish hot. I mean, heck, I would say them putting up a lot of points versus Ohio State and then winning out, just destroying Northwestern and, and, and Indiana. So they kind of come in hot. Yeah. And I guess what I'm getting at with, with Jeff Brom is that doesn't he figure out a way to manufacture offense and get his team up, up to speed? No, he does. And especially... I'll give him this, especially in a bowl game, yeah. where, you, where you have a little, usually a little more shenanigans taking place on both sides. Agree. For some reason, it's like this ticket where you can do that more freely and not get criticized as much for it. Correct. Okay. What do you got here? I still just don't feel great about yep. Purdue's chances. So I feel like Tennessee wins this. I feel like they win it kind of easily. I kind of feel the opposite of the Terps versus Hokies game here. I've got Tennessee 35 Purdue 17. Ooh. And with that Tennessee cover, okay. that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week and that 52 that total is under okay. 64 okay interesting um thought about this for my amador double barrel lock of the week don't blame you at all for taking it i just feel nervous betting against brahm in this type yeah. of spot it just feels like he you know he'll get, he'll get his guys to nut up and play tough in the game but i do have tennessee covering 38 purdue 30 and at 68 points that total is an over the Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrel. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall and winter on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. All right, next game up. We got two to go here. The Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. The eleven and two, number twelve ranked Pitt Panthers versus the ten and two, number ten ranked Michigan State Spartans. This is a six o'clock p.m. game on ESPN. 
Lions Sparty by two and a half over under 56. So Vegas is saying something like a 30 to 27 Spartan victory. 75% of the bets are on Sparty. This could also be called the big bummer bowl as uh, no quarterback Kenny Pickett, Heisman finalist quarterback Pickett, Kenny Pickett for Pittsburgh, or running back Kenneth Walker for Michigan State. Those two announcements came like 12 hours apart. The the Peach Bowl representative was just taking it on a chin there for a while. Doesn't the the opt-outedness slow down after that? Doesn't seem to be anybody else missing that that I know of. But it sucks. That's that's two of yeah. the biggest names in all of college football that were matched up to play and they're out. I was gonna call it the highway robbery bowl because when they when they set this matchup, that's all I could think of. Kenny Pickett versus Kenny Walker. Yep. And that was, I mean, that's about the biggest f- star power you could, in, in any game, period. Once, I mean, if you go outside the college football playoffs, I, it's hard to get bigger star quality than that. But, I mean, even if you throw the playoffs in there. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause that, these were, that was one Heisman finalist and one guy. And one that, the guy should, that should have been a finalist. Correct. I know. Sucks. But I guess, yeah. But... What, with okay. that be like, I, I don't know if okay. I probably confuse people because I'm ju- I jump all over the table with this a little bit, but I don't know if the Peach Bowl is a big enough bowl for Kenny Pickett and Kenny Walker to play in. Like these are going to be too highly draft. I mean, especially with Kenny Pickett, very highly drafted quarterback. Running backs obviously have dropped down, but he's still going to be one of the highest running backs taken. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I don't blame either one of them at the same time wish that they were playing in the ball. Yeah, I just feel robbed. Yeah, I do too. So, uh, you know, leading up, trying to find, uh, you know, doing a little research on Pittsburgh, trying to see if there's any other people opt out. Obviously, I knew about Pickett. I saw the same quote twice from two different players that Katie Pickett was the quote-unquote heart and soul of Oof. this team. Two different. I think it was one was a coach and one was a player saying it. Who's the backup? A guy named Nick Patti? 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 P-A-T-T-I. Um, 14 attempts this year for the Pitt. <laughs> but he hit on 12 of them, I will have accurate. you know. He's an accurate backup. For 140 yards with zero touchdowns yeah. and no interceptions. Um, I mean, they were fifth in total offense this year. I think there was one point where they were first in total offense in the entire country. The Pitt Panthers, do you remember how recently? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a Pat Narduzzi, ex-Michigan you know, Michigan State defensive coordinator. They were notoriously bad on offense. So, again, the difference that can happen. Another, another uh, Big Ten tie. Offensive coordinator, Mr. Whipple, gone from Pittsburgh, is at uh, uh, Nebraska now. That's so right. Another, another former Big Ten staff tie-in. Anyways, um, fifth in total offense. I don't know how much can play into that stat now when you lose your your play caller and your quarterback. So that stat doesn't really mean a lot to me. I was surprised to see Pittsburgh 38th in total defense. I thought they were quite yeah. a bit lower than that. This is a good pit team all around. No, it's a solid D. They were fifth in the ACC in both points per game and yards per game. So here's what I like about them offensively. This is where I have a little bit of hope that they can hang in there offensively. They Not only do they have wide receiver Jordan Addison, 93 catches, 1,479 yards, oh my goodness, and 17 touchdowns. They do a running back by committee, so plenty of guys to spread the ball out to there. They had 11 wide receivers with over 100 yards receiving on the I mean, season. Kenny Pickett did an amazing so, job spreading it around. Right, so a lot of that obviously on Pickett, a lot of it on Whipple, but I think maybe there's enough around that they can still generate a decent pass offense. 
Um, I'm just going to give this a shot because I just want to see how close I am when the actual game. Uh, their leading rusher is running back Israel Abanakanda. Okay. I don't know. We'll see how close I am. Okay. Abanakanda. 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 I hope I'm close to that. Fun game to play or fun name to say. Um, okay. So, yeah, there's Pittsburgh. Really good team this year. Fun to watch. Step down and then comes to Michigan State. Really good team this year. Fun to watch. You feel like there's a step down uh, with Kenny uh, uh, Walker, Kenneth Walker being gone. So I got to think it's going to be a running back by committee. Yeah. I feel very confident. But with that being said, running back by committee, but I think Jordan Simmons will be the lion's share of the carries. Yeah. And then if, if, it's, if it is Jordan Simmons, which I'm pretty confident about, and then Elijah Collins, falling back on Elijah Collins as what would be essentially your third string running back, not a bad place to be for Michigan State. That is a guy that's got a lot of career carries. He's been in this position before. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those guys that I don't know the full story here. Maybe it's something I should ask standing room Spartans, but I feel like maybe it's a doghouse type of thing right. where he could never get out because he was a good player. We know he's a good player. Right. So you can count on him. But here's the other thing about Michigan State, though, defensively, terrible against the pass. Terrible. But, so, then they, they, but then the other team loses the quarterback. But then the other team loses the quarterback. But I don't know. Can is they it, still throw? Can they still throw the ball without Kenny Pickett? Most teams can throw the ball versus Michigan State. Yeah. So one would think that with even with the loss of quarterback, and again, you know the the nice thing about Pickett and Walker is that they let their team know early, which means yeah. the backups have had plenty of sure. reps and bull prep to be able to figure a few things out. You still got those good wide receivers. The offensive line is still intact. I do think losing their play caller is something, but it is my just gut feel that Pitt is still going to put some passing yards on, on onto the scoreboard. And, I think so. Um, onto the stat sheet. You know, but switching back to Michigan State a little bit more, I like that this is maybe a spot where Peyton Thorne is going to get challenged here mm-hmm. a little bit to be more of the alpha dog in the locker room. So if I'm trying to put as positive a spin as I can on this for Michigan State fans, maybe it's a good thing that Kenneth Walker opted out of the bowl because, gotcha. you, I mean, you're, the season's essentially over. You're not winning the Big Ten Championship. You beat Michigan. You did. You had a great thing. You're already trying to gear towards bigger things next year, if that's possible. Yeah. Putting, putting Peyton Thorne, in a more leadership tough role and some of these younger running backs getting reps. I, I think there's a lot of positives to pull out of that. Well, we know they got a great pass offense too. So they just lean a little more on the passing game. We know that they can do it. We know Peyton Thorne can do it. By the way, since we recorded last, Peyton Thorne's father lost the national championship game in Division Three. Oh, wow. Did you know that? I did not know the that. The head coach of North Central College. Okay. There's right. a fun fact to know and tell. Just want, thought I'd slide that one in there. That's a good one. Yeah, but okay, so... Just the two th- the two things of Kenny Pickett, Mark Whipple not being there. I just can't get it out of my head. That's a, to me that's the key to this. It's a big game. deal. So I know Michigan State kind of tailed off a little bit at the end of the year there, lost to Purdue, drubbing by Ohio State, but still I feel pretty confident but, but, about Michigan State. But beating Penn State at the end of the year, yeah, I, I thought they were point. tailing off like that showed. That showed some, you know, testicular fortitude by by Michigan State there at the end of the year. Okay, well, I think both teams got yumped to in this game, but I just think Michigan State's too much. I got like Michigan State thirty three, Pitt twenty four, <laughs> so that's a Sparty cover, and at fifty seven, that's an over one point over. Funny, we're doing it again. I got Michigan State thirty, 
Pitt also at 24. So that's a cover by Michigan State. And at 54 points, that's just a bit under. But we're pretty close there. <clears throat> All right, last game up, the Las Vegas Bowl. Played in Las Vegas, Nevada. Another side note, like, as much as crap as I talk down to the Pinstripe Bowl, I can't wait till Iowa falls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's the exact opposite for Big Ten fan bases. Like, oh, please don't send us to the Northeast. But, like, if you can't make it to one of the big ones, you know, obviously the Rose Bowl, obviously the college football playoff, I would probably throw Citrus Bowl, you know, you know, or, or obviously uh, like Fiesta Bowl, you know, if you get chartered in one of those. So if you don't make it to one of those high-level bowls, yeah. having a backdrop to fall back on for Las Vegas in a brand-new gorgeous stadium in the City of Sin, Brothers... I think this is like, this is, I think maybe my penultimate goal for the Bielema era at Illinois is to get to the Las Vegas and for me to go to the Las Vegas bowl. I hope you get there, man. So thank you. So here's one thing that that I just can't get out of my head with the, that has nothing to do with football. Okay. When you go to Vegas for this game and you look around and let's say you take the logos and the colors off it, there is no two fan bases that you would easily more easily tell apart than the Arizona State Sun Devils fan base and the Wisconsin fan base. I mean, you can tell them apart by the type of clothes they're wearing, by where they're hanging out, by what games what what games they're playing on the floor. Right. You know, uh, the size of their you know People. waistbands. Let's say what 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 like oh my god are they going fantastic. to a club? Are they just hanging out at the the, the tan the, levels? Yeah, what is there what is go. tan? What is pasty white? Almost across the board, dude. And you're and you're uh, uh, colorblind, so maybe you'd be the perfect person. Of course, they're gonna have the W logo or the or the you know Sun Devil logo, but that is a fantastic. The thing I was gonna bring up is like the one thing that maybe they share in common is they're both known to be party schools. Yes. So I would think was, I, I, I expect this to be a heavily attended bowl. There's a newness to it. Um, I Christmas is over. I could have seen a lot of Wisconsin fans taking off the 26th or 27th to get out to Las Vegas and start partying. With that being said, Arizona state people can drive up into Las Vegas. Arizona state is not short of partiers. No. This could be a hell of a bowl week and, there, and there's no, animosity towards the fan bases from what I know. So I, I would love to get a report from any Wisconsin people. Was there mutual partying going on? I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't Very think, curious. I don't think there'd be mutual because I feel like the Wisconsin fans are coming home at the same time that the Arizona State fans are leaving to go out to party. Gotcha. Could be. They're going to different establishments. <laughs> if there's if there's little taverns in, in Las Vegas. They'll Wisconsin. find them. Oh, that's fantastic. All right, who do we got? We have got the 8-4 and four Wisconsin Badgers versus the 8-4 and four Arizona State Sun Devils. This is a light one, just to add to the fun of the game. 9.30 p.m. on ESPN. Line Badgers by 6. That dropped a point. Over under 42, so Vegas still very much in tune with that Badgers defense. So Vegas is saying something like a 23 to 18 Badgers victory. 70% of the bets are on Wisconsin. So I don't understand. 70% of the bets are on Wisconsin. This started at seven, but dropped to six. Can't make that. That I, doesn't, I that doesn't, make the, any the sense. math doesn't work out. It there. does not. So when the, when this first was scheduled, I'm like, you know, I feel really good about Wisconsin this game. It's one that kind of stuck out to me how good I felt about it. But since then, Herm Edwards, we find out he's coming back next yeah, year. Yeah, it's crazy. The, the embattled 
Herm Edwards is coming back? Are you yeah, serious? He's like a cockroach. Jaden Daniels, I know he didn't have a great year, but he's coming back next year, too. He did have 66.4 completion, which was the highest in the Pac-12 this year. That's something, but only 10-9 to 9 touchdown to INT ratio. Yep. He's not exactly looking like that five-star he was billed to be. This is a weird... You know, then you start digging into Arizona State. They're a pretty good defensive team. 18th in total defense. Yeah. And so let's see. They're second in yards per game yep. and points per game in the Pac-12. They run the ball fairly well. It, it's This is spider Mimi. A little bit. Um, I mean, Arizona State was my fun pick at the beginning of the year. I thought they were a, they were a lot better than what Vegas was giving them credit for. I think I, I got two or three dubs under my belt betting on Arizona State. Then they, then I took a loss, and I, uh, I don't know about intelligently, luckily stayed away from them the rest of the year because they finished, they were up and down at the end of the year. The last six games, they were three and three, and it was basically win one, lose one. I mean, it there was no consistency there with them. Sixty eighth in total offense, four hundred yards a game. That's that's not bad, but like the type of quarterback that I need to see to to crack this uh badger defense like mm-hmm. it's it's really a, a quarterback yeah that can throw consistently to the edges no that is not what i'm seeing with jay no. daniels uh running back rashard white thousand yards 15 touchdowns good for you rashard white you're going to have a rough sledding on uh, in las vegas yeah on uh, uh wednesday night thursday night whatever it is um, I think if there's going to be a lot of offense that's going to come from Arizona State, I think it's going to have to come from the legs of Jaden Daniels. Okay, well, I can see that happening. Okay, good luck with those Wisconsin linebackers. Is they're, there, and, they're, and they're ready. Like I feel like, again, from what I'm reading and seeing, I understand they lost the axe, okay? But I think people forget they, 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 were, um, uh, they had won seven in a row before they lost to Minnesota. This was one of, if not they the were hot. hottest team in the Big Ten going into the Axe game. Now, they got beat up by Minnesota. There is no bones about it. From what I am seeing and feeling, it's that they're pissed about that. The defense is pissed about it. People forget Braylon Allen, he was hurt. Like Once I rewatched that Wisconsin-Minnesota game, it was obvious Braylon yeah. Allen was dinged up and hurt. Now, I heard he was in a boot as recently as two weeks ago. That does make me nervous, okay? But I have this feeling that Braylon Allen is going to look healthier and and look quicker. All of these things, to me, seem to be, you know, uh, uh, weighing towards Wisconsin in this game. Okay, here's another thing I think is weighing towards Wisconsin. Not the ump two. I think they both got that in this game. You think so? I, I do think okay. so. Why not? With Herm coming back, with Jaden Daniels okay. coming back, I think they should be excited for this game. You know what I feel really good about is Coach Christ versus Coach Edwards. Yes. Coaching a college football game. Correct. And coaching a bowl game. And coaching a bowl game. Um, again, Wisconsin in bowl games under Christ for the most part. Pretty good. Been fantastic. Pretty good. I mean, really, really good. All of these things err towards that. I... I I believe it will be slow going. The 42-point spread, I totally get that it's that low because these are two, you know, dynamically challenged teams on offense, so I totally understand that. Arizona State has a fine defense, okay? They don't have a defense as good as Wisconsin. I, I That defense is going to travel to Las Vegas, and it's going to wreck shop. I really like Wisconsin in this game, so I've got the Badgers 27 
Arizona State 13, and at 40 points, that's just under the 42-point total. And at with uh, the Badgers being favored by seven, that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Interesting. Okay. I go with the Wisconsin win here as well. Not quite as much, but close. We're getting there. I got Wisconsin 24, Arizona 19, because Wisconsin okay. likes to ugly it up a little bit. So that is a Wisconsin – I'm sorry, that's an Arizona State cover – and at 43, that is barely an over. Wow. Wow. So yes. you got Arizona State cover, Covering. but going over. Yes. Okay. So unless I my math is incorrect, uh, for these first bowl games, we both have the Big Ten off to a pretty hot start at 4-1. and one. I think you are right, sir. Yes. Yeah. I've, got, I've, I've got the Purdue Boilermakers losing. i got wins in every other game. That is correct. Yeah. It would be a nice um, little start there. And we would have the Big Ten West going 2-1 and one in these bowl games if these predictions hold true. The Big Ten West has been... Pretty darn good in their bowl games of, of the last five years or so. Don't tell the national media that. Yes, now. they don't want to hear that at all. Don't count. Those wins don't count. You know. Uh, by the way, last thing is uh, not very uh, Christmas spirity type of viewing, but I started watching Squid Game mm. several weeks ago. The first episode kind of is a slow burn. You got to get through the end okay. of the first episode. And then it was a book I could not put down. I watched the next seven episodes at at definitely at night. If you got small kids, you don't want any kids watching this uh, 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 television event. But Squid Games is phenomenal, man. You got to watch it. And it's Korean with subtitles. It is okay. So you got to you got to and you there is you can have an option for English dubbed. Yeah. I started with that. I know I'm going to say you gotta go artsy fartsy, but it takes away from the it does. performance. So it does. I switched to Korean. You get used to it by the second or third episode. I was used to it. It's fantastic. No, it, not, it'll be something that you haven't quite seen before. I I'm just prepping, that. prepping myself. Yep. I'm not afraid of subtitles. Yeah, you can't watch it when you're hungover. Your no. eyes are strained because it takes too much effort to do that. Um, but other than that, it's really good. Okay, that knocks out like three days a week for me then. Yeah. That's, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Can't be hungry. Uh, so I just saw last night the new Matrix movie. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know what it's called. Matrix yeah. Resurrection. Who the hell knows? Yeah. I was so okay. Went with the the youngster to go see it, and uh, had no idea Keanu Reeves is in it. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss too, and Carrie Ann Moss is yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I mean. Again, Keanu Reeves, also like a cockroach. You can't kill that guy. He's going to look the exact same for like 15 more years, man. And I'll say, he was pretty good. Dude, I, Keanu's awesome. I mean, I actually got really excited when I found out that he was in the movie. <laughs> so you, you went to it and you weren't even, you didn't even know Keanu was in it. No, I figured it was just like a remake. Yeah. Because I'm, look, I saw the first one. Pretty They're cool. going to be wrong. Pretty cool. Yeah. I, but the very first, the original Matrix. The I original saw Matrix. It, but I only was... saw it once. Like when it was, when it first came out, I saw it. Never saw it again. You've, you've never seen the original Matrix? No, I saw it one time. No, I mean, again. Sorry. I not didn't. again. <laughs> That's like that scene. That movie, you could just randomly turn on your TV and, and flip through the channels at any point. The Matrix is on. It was one of those movies. I'm sorry, Matrix fans, but I just didn't get into it. So like after a half hour, I just kind of tuned out. It's what I remember. I just the original Matrix. Yeah, yeah I just didn't do you, it. You don't me. sound like the type of fan that would go through the effort to see this one in the movie theaters. Like most Matrix people that were there, you were right. surrounded by people that were big Matrix yes. fans, I would think. But the boy wanted to see it. Okay, I understand. That's the only reason I wanted to see it. The first Matrix, phenomenal. It like, it literally changed cinema. Right. This, the next two were, they, they went from amazing to, 
and to the third one was just was, was just bad. But here's what I'm thinking: is I have to go back and watch the original again. Yeah, I think it inspired me because I I like the movie is what I'm trying to get to. I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. It's about 40 minutes too long because all movies are 40 minutes too long these days. But other than that, I thought it was really good. But I think maybe I just wasn't in the mood the first time I saw the first Matrix. Gotcha. Not so I, I need to go back because I don't yeah. I don't think I appreciated it. Well, there you go. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes of Big Podcast. We'll talk to you very soon.